ladies and gentlemen, my brothers and my sisters. It is Brother Solis live with another episode of Coffee in the Truth. And y'all already know, my young brother from before, Mr. Elwood, Texas. What's up? And now, we have got a different brother. He's new to y'all, but he ain't new to us. And it's Mr. Brother Hall. Go ahead and tell us about yourself, my brother. My name is Randy Hall. Uh, I've been in church since I was about eight years old. So I grew up in the church, but I wasn't filled with the Holy Ghost till I was about 17. I went to Bible college when I was about 18. I went to Texas Bible College, and I graduated after four years. And I went and I assisted my pastor for a while at my home church in Bastrop, Texas. And... Went through some stuff there, but came out with the help of the Lord, and now I am married to my lovely wife, Lauren Hall, and I moved down to Wharton, Texas to be with my new brothers and sisters that are here and under Brother Bumgarner, and I'm just, I'm just thankful for everything the Lord's been doing in my life. Now, I love this man, folks. Authentic, great young man of God has like wisdom beyond his years. Um, I just love him because he keeps one in the cannon. All right, <laughs> he stays equipped and prepared. But I just love this is just who he is. You know, he's just authentic. He's not trying to put on this front or put on this facade. Just trying to get in where he fit in. He's not a chameleon. This is just who he is. And so we have not cut off Brother Tanner, okay? Don't believe those lies. Brother Tanner is a very busy young individual. And he is he just got a lot going on in life right now. And so I didn't want to interfere with that. And he didn't want to kind of interfere with the podcast. So He's going to take some time off, but he's not taking time off from the Lord, okay? He's still he's still going to church and all that. He's still on the right path. He just, his schedule and, and the podcast, the way it's set up, were, they weren't working out. So we um got together. It wasn't really hard because, like I said, this, this young man, he is young. He's what, 20? 20, 28. 28, so he's not very old, okay? He's not very young, but I just love his story. I love his testimony. And today, I asked him to speak about this topic because of his struggles, the scars that he had gotten in life, and I understand that there's other people that are dealing with that. And so I asked him, to speak from the topic of what's the point. So go ahead and give us a rundown of that, my brother. So a little uh, backstory of what led to this question, and this question was from the the voice that was trying to speak to me, take advantage of what had happened to me. I, um, I was a victim of sexual abuse uh, by a friend that I had, someone that, was in ministry above me, and I was dealing with a lot at the time because this was my best friend at the time, and when I was dealing with everything, I was trying to, I was trying to deal with it by myself, and finally, I, I felt that the Lord wanted me to confess to my best friend, Colin, from Florida, and I talked with him about it, and he had directed me to talk to my pastor. Once I talked with my pastor about it, it it led to me stepping down from ministry um, and turning in my license at the time just because I was dealing with a lot, and that's what was directed as that's probably the best thing moving forward so I can be able to heal and uh, go through everything. But a lot of what I was dealing with as a result of this sexual abuse was it wasn't pornography or anything. Uh, there was 
I was dealing with masturbating and just a lot of uh, mental issues through um, through that, and I didn't know how to overcome them. And when I had already stepped down from ministry, I felt like I was praying, I was fasting, I was doing all of this, and I felt like I wasn't overcoming because I would hear about how, you know, people could come to church, get freed from alcohol, and they don't even desire the sip of it again. That they would get freed from marijuana, but then they don't even desire the, uh, desire it again. So I'm thinking, God, you've done it for them. Why is, like, why? And, th- and this isn't happening for me. So I finally got to the point where I was thinking, what's the point in continuing? And I was seeing a counselor, a godly counselor. I love her. Her name's Sister Sylvia Clemens out of Brother Scoggins Church. And she helped me so much because when I talked with her, she gave me a psalm to read. Uh, to She asked me what psalm it was, and I couldn't, I couldn't remember. I didn't know what it was just by the reference. And she said, it says, the joy of the Lord is our strength. And she told me, or she asked me, what makes God happy? And I said, when we're obedient and we do what he asks. And she said, how can giving up, or when we say what's the point in continuing and just giving up everything, that's going to make you worse. Because if you're doing and you're being obedient, if that's your strength, doing the opposite is going to make things worse. So what I really felt from the Lord and I really got revelation of is God was seeing if I was going to worship him and love him in spite of how I felt. Even though I felt like, what's the point? Why should I pray? Why should I do this? I feel like a hypocrite. It's not going anywhere. Am I going to continue in spite of that? Or even though I'm dealing with all of that, am I still going to continue to serve him? So how long did you deal with this This thought? Was this like a, like even from the get-go, like right after this happened, like you automatically feel this regret and you feel this abuse? And so the... The thought, that specific thought of what's the point did not come right away, but I believe that thought came from years of frustration because I had dealt with this in 2016, and this was 2018 at the time. So I had, it's been two years that I've been struggling and trying to overcome this, what it felt like in an, uh, it, it was difficult because this was something with my body and a mental thing. And I, and that's what I felt. And I got revelation from because alcohol, if I ain't around the alcohol, I ain't going to get tempted. Right. If I ain't around the marijuana, I ain't going to get tempted, but right. this is in my mind. I can't get away from my mind. Come on. So that's because I was dealing with all of this and having this frustration. That's what finally led to what's the point. I've already stepped down from ministry I've already, I already feel like I've messed everything up in my life. I'm never going to get back to where I need to be with the Lord. So what's the point? And I felt like what was happening was the enemy knew everything I was going through. And the enemy, he ain't, he's going to take advantage of every single thing that he can. He wanted to take advantage of this situation. And he wanted to kick me while I was already down and thinking, okay, this man's obviously down. He ain't going to get any lower than this. I'm going to give, I'm going to just kind of speak to him and say, what's the point? Why are you even continuing? Just give up. What did, what was the result of your frustration? Was it because of what happened to you or because, or was it towards that individual? I was frustrated at myself. I think, uh, frustrated at myself. And then also some of it was, I feel frustrated a little at the Lord too, because, I'm like, God, why am I having to deal with this? Like, I don't understand it. Why can't you deliver other people, but you can't deliver me? I'm hearing so many people talking about cutting the head off, and then you don't have to deal with it anymore. And that's something that I feel is some something that's really preached a lot of times. And I know Brother Solis has already talked about it in previous podcasts, that 
just because even when you do overcome it, it's not going to be something that immediately goes away. Right. So I had to learn afterwards, but uh, the the result, really just the frustration, it was more of at at myself and at the Lord because I feel like I wasn't good enough. Like I just, I, or that I wasn't strong enough that, and then some of it was even thinking, man, if I would have just spoke up when I was dealing with this, if I would have just stopped it the first time that it happened, I wouldn't be dealing with this. And that's what, and that's what would come to my mind and just, just defeat. Um, and it was a lot of it was just being probably mostly just frustrated at myself. So you said the word and speak up. And I, I do want to ask you the question. Why do you believe it was so hard for you to speak up? At the time, I didn't feel it was pride, but because I felt like I did this to myself, and this is what I was feeling because at the time I didn't know that this was a form of sexual abuse that I had went through, but I had felt I did this to myself. I need to fix it. And God told me multiple times that I need to talk with my pastor that I need to talk with my brother-in-law, another minister at the church. And I wanted to, but I didn't feel like I could because I would think, what are they going to say? I'm probably going to have to step down from ministry. I'm probably going to have to do this. And I was afraid. But when I was talking with Brother Solis before we had started recording, what I had said is, in order for you to get healed, you have to take off that armor. You got to take off those clothes and show where your wounds are so they could be healed. And I didn't understand that. That's what God was trying to tell me. Hey, I need you to be healed. But if you don't allow yourself to be vulnerable, you can't be healed. And that's that's good that you say because I often hear this. You know, people say this in the church. Oh, I'm not claiming that. I'm not claiming that. Um like, say, a diagnosis. The doctor said, I got this, but I'm not claiming that. And I often look at that and I'm like, man, that's kind of crazy because the woman who had the issue of blood had to recognize she had an issue. How would she get healed if she didn't recognize that she had an issue? She couldn't say, Jesus, I don't claim this, but heal me from this. She had to acknowledge that, hey, I have this, and me touching his hem of his garment is the only way to stop this. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. So she had to recognize those, those, those issues. And I love how you said that, that you had to take off what I would call the shell of a man because my, um, my chisto is not going to let me take off. It's not going to let me be vulnerable. I can't be vulnerable vulnerability is a sign of weakness and it's a jungle out here. And I don't know if it's maybe because of the society that we live in this day and age where it is a doggy dog world. So we get that kind of mindset in the church or because we have been hurt by people who were supposed to love us. We feel, I, I really don't know what it is, but I do understand that our human nature does want to be on top. And the way that I stay on top is not letting anybody know my weakness, which is kind of crazy because it's opposite when you look at it as a church. The only way that I can gain strength is letting my brother know my weakness. The only way that I can gain strength is actually allowing God to know that I'm weak because even Paul will reach out to him. Paul didn't deny he had an issue, right? He, he it says that he he called on the Lord three times to, uh, uh, the thorn uh, and um in his flesh, and, and, yeah, the thorn in his flesh. So he had to recognize and acknowledge, "Hey, I have an issue here." You know, he wasn't denying that, and oftentimes we do try to deny that we have a problem, and then we wonder why we go to the altar service after service and never get this breakthrough that we love singing about and never get this deliverance that we love singing about or preaching about or hearing preached 
or speaking to people on the streets about. We never get it because we don't acknowledge that we have an issue. And I don't know if that's just because we are scared to be vulnerable, but I have to be vulnerable with you. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're going to be an armor bearer, I'm going to be your armor bearer. I have to know where your weak spot is in order for me to protect you better, mm-hmm. in order for me to combat with you better. The only way that I'm going to pull through this is to let you know that I am weak. So after you spoke up, what did it do for you? I felt, and and this is... Um, no lie. I felt relieved. Like uh, even even after it got through the process of, um, you know, stepping down from ministry and doing all of that. Even though at the time, I was just uh, I know that I would just be like a normal saint on a pew. I knew I was right with the Lord, because I didn't keep anything hidden. I wasn't I wasn't trying to cover up my hurt. I knew that. It didn't matter if I ever preached again. I knew that I was right with the Lord and that I maintained my integrity. And and what was amazing about it was my district superintendent and at the time was Brother Ken Gurley and also Brother Carter. He was the uh, the president of Texas Bible College at the time. They both said there can be something said about Randy Hall, that he came forward about this. No one had to find it out about him, but he came forward. I had everything to lose and nothing to gain from it, just so that I could be right with the Lord. And as you were speaking, um, uh, it's a common problem with people that are survivors. I really don't like to use the word victim because... You're not a victim. Mm-hmm. You're you're here. You survived it. Yeah, uh, you got scars, but you survived. You get mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And 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 one of the most uh, the common thing is they tend to blame themselves. Mm-hmm. So, how do you help somebody that is in that stage right now where they're in they're they're blaming themselves? Well, when it comes to blaming yourself what it is is you're not forgiving yourself and in order and even when I was dealing with this it was there was the anger at me there was the anger at the person that had abused me and what I had to um, what I had to come to grips with was because I originally I didn't feel that I because I knew as a Christian we're not supposed to get mad. We ain't supposed to get angry. Because the Lord says be angry and sin not. And I knew that if I was going to get angry, I'm, there might be some things come out. So I suppressed it. But what I had to realize is that when whatever it is, whatever it is that hurt or that anger, you need to feel it. Because what happens is when you take it from the inside, from being buried, and you're taking it out, and you're feeling it, as you feel it, you release it to the Lord. And that's what I had to realize is that that unforgiveness that I had, that anger that I had, uh, really that's what it is when you're, when you're looking back and you're um, just like you were saying, you're, you're really just upset at yourself and you can't forgive yourself. But you got to, re- you got to feel that. You got to feel those real emotions and allow yourselves to feel those emotions because that's why God put it there. So that way you could heal. But as you feel those emotions, you release it to the Lord. And and it's not going to be something that's going to be a, an overnight thing, but that's what I had to realize. And something that really helps is write out how you feel. Like whatever it is, whether it's uh, uh, what I did was I wrote it as a letter to the person that, that had uh, abused me and it was not one that I sent, but I wrote it out. And as I wrote out, that's when all of those emotions I felt really came out. And as I wrote it, as I wrote it out, Sister Clemens had told me, she's like, all right, now I want you to imagine this person right here in front of you. And I want you to tell them that. 
And when I did that, even though it's crazy because, you know, that's just the simple things like just imagining that, but, but doing that did so much for me because it let those emotions out. And as I, again, I let those emotions out, I give them to the Lord. And that's what really helped me to get past a lot of these emotions and get past a lot of these hurts. It's just laying them at his feet because it's just like when you're trying to overcome something that you're dealing with, you lay it at the Lord's feet. Yeah, you messed up. You acknowledge that. Lay it at the Lord's feet and then continue. Just basically say, hey, God, this is your problem. Because that's what he said. He wants you to do that. Right. He died for your sins. He did that. He wants you to leave it so he could deal with it. Right. Because it's because so many times we beat ourselves up. We get upset because we fail. We get upset because we've fallen or whatever it may be. And we beat ourselves up about it. Because we're thinking, man, I did so good and now I messed up. No, don't focus on that because that's that's what um, that's like what religious uh, religiosity basically is, is, oh, well, I was a I was alcoholic. I was uh, I was free from alcohol for a year or even when people are like, oh, man, I've been sober for this long. It's like, but why does that matter? Why do we got to put a time limit on it? That doesn't because that because then what happens if you fall? And it's like, well, I was. It's like, no, leave it at the Lord's feet. Let him deal with it and continue on. Don't even worry about that because you're still looking back. Yeah, yeah. And and, and that's, that's really good that you said the sister would help you understand that because it's oftentimes when we do fall into ugly situations in our walk or in life or whatever, we tend to think that going in reverse is going to ultimately help us go forward. And it's not. It's, it, it, it's really crazy because think about it. So if you were to choose alcohol to try to dress your wound, not only do you still got to deal with the abuse and how to overcome that, now you got to try to overcome alcohol. If you chose to do drugs, now you got to have, you got to deal with the abuse and you got to deal with the drug problem. You get what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Because that's what we tend to go for, that temporary fix. And I know when dealing with the Lord, um, we we tend to uh, not like the word, but the waiting. But that's the best time because... Uh, there's a difference between a miracle and healing. Mm -hmm. Healing is something that takes time. And that time that the Lord is, is, is healing us is the best, ultimately the best time because we start seeing things within us that are not only hindering what God can do through us, but are ultimately hindering us, mm -hmm. which would lead me to the next question to ask you. What can you say you grew from this experience? From this, um, I know even um, my wife, she'll, like, she'll, she's told me multiple times, Randy, I just don't know how you can love me the way that you do. And I even told the nursing home residents uh, yesterday, I know that it hurt. It was not something I would wish upon anybody, but because I went through it, now I have compassion for people. Because Jesus said, uh, Jesus even gave this example to, uh, I believe it was when uh, Mary was washing his feet or something like that, or somebody somebody was doing something, and he said, like, oh, like what is this waste? And he was basically saying, uh, well, what about one person that, that's been forgiven for $100? And then the other one's been forgiven for a thousand. Right. Which one of them is going to love their master more? Right. And it's to him that has been forgiven much, the same will love much. Mm. God's done so much for me. Come on. That and and any time that the thought even gets brought back to my mind, oh well, I can't believe they did this, or I can't believe they did that. God brings back where were you? And I have to remember, God, I know that you can, you know, I, and and I get compassion for people. I just have love for people. Because I know if God can do it for me, 
how much more could he do it for them? And that's why I just, I love encouraging people, letting people know God is with you. Because what really helped and what I had to learn is I went through this situation, but God did not do it to me. It wasn't, I can't blame God because God wasn't the one that abused me. God wasn't the one that took advantage of me. God was the one that was there with me to help me because if it wasn't God there, I wouldn't have been able to make it through it. I probably would have died alone. Right. I probably would have committed suicide right. doing all of that. But because God was with me and held my hand through the whole process, that's why I'm a man that's healed today. And I love that he would bring that up because that's what I just, just felt led to tell somebody. You are not the problem. I know we often say, well, why did God let this happen? God didn't let that happen. What we don't understand about God is this is free will. It amazes me how God can crack a boulder just from his glory. But Revelation says that he knocks on the door like if he can't blow off the hinges of the door and force his way in. And so, of course, the person who did this to you has to ultimately allow God to be their person, be the God to deliver them from that. And we often don't allow him to when we try to take things into our own hands. Mm -hmm. And so, trust me, God was there. We ultimately have to allow him to be there. We want him to be the Savior, as Pastor Bumgarner says, but not the Lord of our life. Mm -hmm. And the Lord is allowing him to take control of our emotion, allowing him to take control of frustration and things that are, we're, we're dealing with. And you know. And, and I want to add something, too. Um, the person that did do this to me, I don't hate them. I'm not mad at them. I actually... I still love them because they were my brother in the Lord. Yeah. Even after all of this happened, when I still pray for him daily, and I still pray, God, I don't know where he's at, but God, I pray, let him, like, if he's still dealing with this, if he's still going through this, I may not be able to be his friend because of everything we had went through and, I, and, and all of that, but at the same time, I want this brother in heaven with me. Yeah. If this is going to be something that, I don't want this to be something that keeps him from heaven. Like, I want to be in heaven with him. He's my brother. And that's, that's something that also you got you to gotta see as well as at the end of the day, yes, these things are bad, but we don't war against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers. I don't fight against him. He just was a tool of the enemy at the time. Yeah. I love, I'm telling you, folks, this is why I love this Jesus. I'm talking about the real Jesus, not the one that heard about getting that Bible and read and find out how can a person be so hurt and crushed by an individual, look that person in the face and say, I forgive you. And there's better for you. I know there's better for you because there's a spirit that he would pour out upon us and it had the same exact thing. Forgive them for they know not what they do. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's testimonies like Brother Hall that you get on YouTube and you hear about and it just, it inspires you. You know, you cry and you're all like, because there's so many people that dealt with these things. I know of individuals that dealt with these things that they don't speak up to people and they don't talk to people about. And you can see how it affects their life. But just to be by this brother, look, see, what y'all can't see in this podcast is if he would have never told me this about him, I would have never known. This is an individual when worship starts, he's in the front. He's jumping. He's clapping. He's praising the Lord. Like I said, if you talk to him about the Bible, he can talk about the Bible. This is an individual that you look at and say, hey, he's one of those people that grew up in church. He's one of those that went to TBC and mama had everything handed to him. And finally, when he he opened up about this, 
you can see that not only is he telling you, but he's actually showing you, I have overcome this. I have gotten past this. And I have not allowed it to drag me down anymore. I may have let it, let me learn a lesson from. And that's why I'm saying it's, it's just amazing about what this Jesus can do for you. So even if you don't know, or maybe if you feel like Brother Hall was, yeah, he can deliver, he can do this, but he can't do it for me. He can do it for you. And there's another question that I would love to ask you and it would be, what did you do to overcome? So one of the main things um, that I had is, like I said, I, I was in church when I was eight years old, but I wasn't filled with the Holy Ghost till I was 17. So for nine years, I'm going to this church. I'm seeing people come in filled with the Holy Ghost and then never darken the church doors again. And it was something that was so... Like, I, I got to a position where I was thinking, my God's just not going to fill me with the Holy Ghost. Because I've seen so many people come in church and have it, and I've never got it. But one day, uh, I know that God will use any situation. I was dating a girl, and this girl broke my heart. And God used that to make me to where I, I remember telling my mom, that I wasn't going to church Wednesday, but I told her I'm getting the Holy Ghost Sunday. And Sunday I came in, I got filled with the Holy Ghost. I may have only spoke a few words in tongues, but it didn't matter to me because I never looked back. And I told the Lord, I made a, I made a decision. I may not have physically said it, but in my head, and like I made a decision that I am not going back because I know what it was like to be without the Holy Ghost. Now I never did. Um, I never did everything like I was supposed to. I know there were times that I picked up things that got it. I had already, that I had already put down, but I knew I wasn't going to go back. So as I never was going to be wrong with the Lord, because even though everything I had went through, I could have left church and some people could have, uh, like, man, you went through all of that. Like I, I get that, but I knew I wouldn't be right with the Lord. So I had to stay submitted. I stay submitted to my pastor, even though, uh, I was, uh, I felt like I was being hurt by different ones. I stayed submitted to the man of God because even though I felt like at times he wasn't on my side, not saying he wasn't, because he's my man of God. He always has your best interest at heart. Don't let anybody think you feelings. get you to think different. Don't get in your feelings about it. Your man of That's God. That's what it is. Yeah, your man. Of, your man of God always has your best interest at heart. But I didn't feel like he did at the time. And, but through it all, I was meek and temperate. Now meek, you don't hear that very often because you hear it in the Bible, but you don't know, know what it is. Meekness is having the strength to do something and not doing it. I could have got mad. I could have got upset and spoke out, but I chose not to. And I controlled myself. And I knew, I, I knew that this was something that God had, uh, put in me. If I stayed submitted and controlled myself, God would turn it around. Go ahead, Brother Elliot. He got a question now, he wants to ask you, Brother Hall. I don't know if this will bring it back some or not, but if you go on YouTube and you search up leaving the UPCI or leaving the Apostolic Church, most of the people on there are <clears throat> saying that they left because they're battling with things. And when I really listen to it is because they don't have the patience for God to really let them bring it out. So I guess my question for you is, did you, did you really have to like sit down, sit down and let God or, and be patient and let, let God speak to you? Yeah. It, so it, uh, a lot of stuff that, that it kind of came out because not only was, of course, I was abused here. I was I, when I started feeling like I was getting better and starting to come back up. I got, I met a girl. I got engaged to her, but it's not Sister Hall. It was a different one. It was the wrong one. 
Uh, <laughs> and uh, basically, it all broke off. It broke my heart. I didn't want to talk to anybody. And I even had the family trying to talk with pastor behind my back and get me kicked out of the church. And maybe not kicked out, but that, that's how I felt. Like I was trying to get kicked, like someone was trying to kick me out. And um, I, I, can't, I can't explain it. That just, it came, it came to me if I stay submitted, I know I don't like it. I know that in my head I feel everything's going against me. If I stay, because I knew that it was my duty to submit. I knew in the word of God, if you look at everything, you need to be under a man of God. It doesn't matter how you feel because it's not submitting when you agree. Submitting only happens when you disagree, but you choose to submit. Because it doesn't, um, it doesn't matter. It could be, it could be some random off the wall standard that you don't agree with. But if that's what your man of God feels from the Lord, you submit to that. It's not blind obedience. It's being, okay, God, in order to be right with you, I have to be under this man of God. Even if I feel like, God, you're wanting me to go to missions and my man of God's not releasing me, I know that God's not going to speak to me without speaking to my man of God. And now if my man of God isn't doing right, God will correct him, but not me. Yeah, uh, let me. Did that answer your question, brother? Yeah, let me let yes, me dumb it down for some folks. Let me add on to what Brother Hall was saying. If you won't step into a war zone without armor and a shield, don't walk around without a pasture. I know some of y'all already y'all y'all already. Oh, the Lord is my armor. Yeah, but why do you say I'll give you pastures? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Come on, you need a counter. I don't know about you. I mean. I love having somebody to blame. <laughs> All jokes aside, but for real, that's your accountability. You need accountability. You have to. As Brother Hall started up, is when he spoke out. He finally is now, hey, I'm making myself accountable to you. Now I'm not the only one dealing with this. Now I'm not the only one fighting this. Because remember, you are allowing yourself to have those thoughts. And if you keep trying to fight this and figure it out by yourself, you're going to lose. You need to find it is amazing how just a simple speaking up releases you. Mm-hmm. It really does. Mm-hmm. Sure. Like Pastor Sanchez had shared a, a thing about Houdini. And how he went to this uh, this prison. They, I think they said they built it for like two years. Because, you know, he was a master of breaking out. Mm-hmm. And they built it for, you know, they, they, they pumped it up. Like it was going to be, you know, the one that he couldn't escape. And Pastor Sanchez told me that he got exhausted from trying and trying. And it wasn't even locked. Wow. It was unlocked the whole time. He <laughs> exhausted himself. On an unlock lock. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that that kind of brings uh, to my mind now. I don't know. I don't listen to him all the time because sometimes he gets pretty depressing. But NF has this one <laughs> has this one song. We this, love you, NF. Yeah. <laughs> no no disrespect to him, NF. Uh, I know you do your thing. Um, but that's uh, it's called Intro 3. And, like, right at the end, it's like him talking to his fear. And, and right at the end, he said, you had me convinced that I was in prison this whole time, but I was the one holding the keys. Yes. Wow. And that's what I'm ultimately trying to say yeah. is that you don't realize that you just speaking out is finally realizing this tough, ugly prison cell that I've been held in will simply be open by me saying something. And also, too, the enemy wants you to be by yourself. Yes. He wants you to be isolated. That's how he traps you. Exactly. And that's and that and that and what it is, he takes advantage of that because he knows if he can isolate you, what is a what's a lion gonna do when they're hunting? It's gonna go by that one that's kind of dragging. Yep. And he isolates it and okay. grabs it 
None of those other animals are helping it because they don't want to get taken by the lion. Right. But you have to, you have to go and try to connect because the thing is, these brothers and sisters, they may not see that you're disconnected. And it's not that they're not sensitive to the Lord. If you're, if you're holding that in, no one, they're not going to read your mind. Yeah. We're good at wearing masks. Yeah. Let's be real here. Exactly. They're, they're Holy Ghost filled or not. We're, we are, we have conquered the, the mask wearing. That was before COVID. Yeah. The, the enemy knows when you come forward, he's not going to have power over you anymore. He's going to know that hurt's not going to have power over you anymore. And that's what he wants you convinced of is, I mean, even if it's something like, oh, Let's say you uh, you're listening and you're you're a preacher or you're uh, uh, and you're at your church and you're thinking, well, if I come forward about dealing with pornography, I'm going to be set down. But what happens is we miss um, we're we're not thinking correctly about it. The reason for one that anybody gets set down, it's not to be a punishment. That's how it's perceived, but it's not to be a punishment. How can you help others when you need to help yourself? If I'm dealing with something as big as pornography or masturbate, whatever it is, I can't help others when I need to heal myself. How can I heal your wounds when I'm not healing my own? That's why setting down is something that a pastor does, not to not to penalize you for what you've been through, but it's to help you so you can focus on yourself, focus on your healing, so that way you don't have to focus on helping everybody else. And that's good that you say because uh, we often brag about King David, but if you read some of his psalms, what are they mostly about? Himself. Why? Because... In order for me to be able to be used by you, God, I got to make sure if I'm going to be preaching this or speaking this that I know that you can do it, you know, and get me right. And so uh, we have to realize that it is okay for you to pray for yourself and ask for healing on yourself. And it is okay for you to get yourself right. I know we, we make it where it can't be about us, you know, our prayers can't be about us, you know, this can't be about us. But in a time like this, you cannot not, you can't, don't allow your title to stop your healing. Because mm-hmm. that's what we're worried about. We're worried about, oh, well, I'm a minister, or I'm a Bible study teacher, or I'm on the praise team. Don't allow your title to stop your healing. Mm-hmm. Like really, ultimately, if you fall, you're going to do more damage than if you would have sat there and just got your healing. Mm-hmm. Take that time and get your healing. And this is when the church is the most valuable because God, I, so many people try to say, oh, I got my own personal relationship with God. I don't need church. Personal relationship with God is amazing. You need that. Right. But you also need the church. Right. As that, that's a part of a healthy walk with God. Yes. yes. Because I may be warring with something all week or all month or even dealing with something like pornography or, or whatever it may be. I can't overcome that myself. Right. But when I tie with a brother Elliot or a brother Solis and I got them holding me up, yeah, praying with me, saying, yeah. you got this, brother. Yeah. We are helping you. Yeah, def- definitely. You know, Paul says, don't, don't uh, forsake the assembly of yourselves. I know we want to act like we don't need it, but he, I mean, it's there. And there's a reason because we, we like to be, we like to relate. And so there's other people that have fought some things and that you can relate to. And so before we go on, I mean, sorry, before we end this, there is a question I want to ask. And that is what advice would you give to help someone? Can I be real on this podcast? Yes, you can. I know I did a lot wrong when I was starting all of this out and when I was going through everything. Um, 
I went, um, I started picking up things that I knew I shouldn't have, um, you know, but with all that aside, you need, when you're, when you're dealing with something like this, like I said, it's a mental thing and you can't get away from your mind. So you need to find something. Now, I know I'm probably not going to seem like I'm being spiritual here, but if I'm being real with you, sometimes just reading your Bible or talking with a God, you've already tried that. And that's not helping keeping your mind off of things. So even if it's just a hobby, something that you need to do, I started working out again. And what it does is being in your house alone or in your room alone is not helpful for you at this point in time. You need to find something that can get you out. Something that can get your mind off of things to where you're not. The reason why is because when you're alone, that's when those thoughts start coming. Right, oh, right, well, right. I need to do yep. this. And, and so you need to find something to get your mind off of this. Yes. Yes. The biggest thing I could say is don't isolate yourself. Don't isolate yourself from the church. Don't isolate yourself from from anything. My pa- my my pastor uh, Pastor Chandler from Bastrop could tell you, I did not miss a church service throughout all of this. I didn't have it to where there was a month that I didn't go to church. I was faithful to church. I was faithful to prayer meeting. I was always there, even going through all of this. So don't isolate yourself. And then something that I really feel, people feel weird about going to counselors or they call them psychiatrists, whatever. Find one that is a godly one. I found an apostolic counselor that I can go to and she helped me. She she was able to see how, you know, there were things that I had probably even dealt with before I even came to God that that I was still dealing with. So finding someone that you can talk with a counselor is someone that they they are trying to help you sometimes uh this is how sister clement said it sometimes it's just good to talk with somebody with some skin on yes sir because you may be talking obviously you tried talking with the lord that ain't working Mm -hmm. now i'm not i'm not not saying that god don't work god do work but you you need to find someone you can talk with that's again that goes back to the church that's the reason God designed it that way. Finding a friend, someone you're close with that you can express these things to. Something that also I can give advice to, because uh, I even dealt with pornography, so I'm going through all of this. I had covenant eyes, and my pastor was my accountability partner. So if I messed around, he he didn't hesitate texting me and said, boy, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> so, So having things like that, you know, be real with yourself. If you know that you have an issue, don't try to convince yourself. Because, uh, and I'm sure that I'm probably not the only one that does this. If you're praying in the morning and you're thinking, well, God, I, I feel if I just, if I lay down on this floor, I feel like I can really get somewhere. And then you fall asleep. <laughs> I mean, you knew it was going to happen, but you tried to convince yourself, no, I am stronger today. No, you're not. <laughs> If it happened the past few times, it's probably going to happen again. All right. Don't uh, try to also try to do things you think can break the cycle. If you know you go to a certain area uh, and this is more like, you know, with breaking through with pornography and masturbating and everything, like just trying to do things to break the cycle. If I know, okay, if I spend too much time in the bathroom, this is what's going to happen. All right. Don't spend as much time. Give yourself a time limit. Yes, sir. Like doing those things can help. Like just... Just trying to be real with yourself, and uh, and that's that's the advice that I could give, and that um, I feel could really help and really help me to get through to get through everything. Brother Hall, thank you, my brother. Thank you for being transparent. Thank you for showing your scars. Cause that's what they are at this point. They're scars. They're healed. They're no, they're no longer wounds. They're no longer 
thank you for being a survivor. Most and foremost, thank you for being a survivor, man. Thank you for being that voice to come forth. This is a big step just for anybody who has survived this. It's not easy to talk about because, like I said, you just don't want people to judge you or look down upon you or even throw it in your face, man, because people will. People will. So I want to say thank you. Sorry, I got to pause there because it's just, it's just overwhelming just him allowing to share that with us. It's, it's, it's like a privilege. It is a privilege. It is because, like I said, I'm, I heard stories about these and I heard testimonies, but to be able to, you know, have a brother that I know overcome this, you know what I mean? And just seeing just how the Lord is transformed formed his life and grew his life not only did he change it but he grew it and for him just to say thank you lord thank you lord just as his mindset that's what i'm just like man his mindset is awesome well seekers the coffee is running low so me and the squad gotta go we love y'all Stay blessed and encouraged. We out.